Just last night, um, one of my sons and I, about 9 o'clock, were driving uh, on Camino Alto in Mill Valley, and driving very slowly, and uh, uh, not very many cars on the road, and suddenly we hear a boom, and we look up, and right across the middle school, a car had slammed into the stoplight, knocking the stoplight off into uh, the lane of traffic just in front of us. We were able to stop, but the car went up on the median and slid down, and... um, just sat there. There were no other cars, and so nothing else happened. We were able to stop and put our flashers on, and we went over to see what was happening. If the driver was okay, all the airbags were deployed, and we couldn't really see her. We discouraged her from moving. Um, I said, "What's your name?" She said, "Susan." I said, "Well, that's my wife's name." And uh, I said, "Are you okay? Are you injured?" She said, "No." And uh, I said, "Can I touch you here on your elbow?" And she said, "Yes." And the moment I touched her. She began to weep. And in that moment of distress, she was so thankful that there was just another human near her. No one was there. There was actually a tow truck driver that happened to be on the way to the car. He was also there. But there was a comfort that came by knowing that someone else was there with her. And we talked, and uh, we assured her that help was on the way, and uh, that she would be um, cared for. And she was. She turned out to seem to be okay and and doing well. It is so important to know that we are not alone in our moments of distress and pain. It is so important in our physical pain that interrupts perhaps your plans of life, what you thought you might do. And that physical pain requires adjustments to your, your schedule and what you thought was ahead, or the childhood pain of a parent who belittled you, or the loved one who turned away from you and sensing that rejection, or a friend who wasn't available during your crisis, even spiritual darkness that might beset you, causing deep questions and doubts and a sense of distance from God. My friends, Easter is a reminder that Jesus understands pain, Jesus understands pain. He understands your pain. And Easter, at least the events leading up to Easter when Jesus rose from the dead, and uh, that great um, commemoration that we will celebrate in, in about a month's time on Easter morning. But there were events that were so painful in so many different ways that allows us to know that, that God understands our pain. And Mark chapter 15 after Jesus had been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, we talked a little bit about that last week, and he was led off, and there was a little trial that happened, and finally he was taken to his execution. And it says in Mark fifteen sixteen that the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe, put on his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Father, I pray in the minutes that we have ahead of us, that you might remind us with tender mercy that your comforting presence 
abides with us even in the midst of the painful seasons of our lives. Thank you for that gift, the gift of your presence and the gift of your comfort. Help us to understand it more fully this morning. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk just for a few minutes about physical pain, about relational pain, about spiritual pain. All three are types of pain that Jesus was intimately familiar with, that he experienced during his time on earth. Physical pain, we've just read about the crucifixion. And if you haven't thought about or don't really like to think about, which I understand about the realities and the details of crucifixion, because it was a very horrible experience. It was uh, the number one choice of the Roman Empire for execution. It was usually done right outside of the city gate, right on a very popular uh, road that was frequented by many people. And it was done right there on purpose because they wanted it to be very visible. Because they wanted other people who saw the crucifixion, saw the bodies hanging there, that you do not cross the purposes of Rome, and that you better behave yourself, and you don't want to be on the wrong end of that sort of situation. Because it was merciless and brutal. Now, put it in a little perspective. If you've ever driven your car to Sacramento, imagine driving out from here, taking Highway 37 and on up I-80, and you get out in the country, and there's some some pretty areas along the way. Then in the distance, you see the the skyline of the the city of Sacramento. And as you approach the, the, the city sign, there says, Welcome to Sacramento. And right beside, you see some people hanging on a cross, executed. That, that was the sort of public reality of these types of crucifixions. We, we know the Bible account is, uh, and I'm not meaning to be graphic, I'm just trying to help you appreciate in a fresh way the, the physical pain that Jesus knew. Crucifixion would happen, you would spread your arms out and nails would be driven through your hand, probably through the wrists, uh, which was considered part of the hand. We know through archaeology there's been a, a body recovered and actually shows the person had been crucified with their, their knees bent up like this, both ankles over each other, and the nail going through both ankles. And death would happen, not, not because of the pain, which was tremendous, I'm sure. It wasn't because of blood loss. What The, the cause of death typically in a crucifixion was asphyxiation. And so the person hung there, the body was slumped, Breathing became more labored, and initially, through the searing pain, they would push up, even with the the nail through the feet and the ankles, gather another breath, and they would slump back down, and over time, it gets exhausting, you're unable to do that anymore, and you slowly just run out of breath. It was a, a grueling, terrible experience. We are told about the crucifixion. There are so many theological reasons for it. That it had to happen so that God could remove the obstacle of our sin. Jesus, the only sinless one, would take your sin and mine upon himself. But there's also the human physical reality of the pain that Jesus endured. And I, I share this with you this morning because I want you to know that and be reminded today that for those who, who experience pain, and as we get older, we tend to experience more and more pain. I'm, I'm in that process now, aches and things that places I never knew I even had body parts hurt sometimes. But there's physical pain, and it can be frustrating, and it can linger a long time. And, and we pray that God would, would deliver and reduce. I want you to know that 
God is familiar with physical pain. And I want to remind you this morning that you can take your pain and lay it at the foot of Jesus and God's comfort will surround you. We're going to look more at that in a few moments. But your pain, your physical pain, is understood. I want you to be reminded of that today. That your relational pain is understood. In the events leading up to the resurrection, Jesus went through a lot of relational pain as well. There was abandonment. You know, his closest 12 followers, just as he predicted, when he was arrested and taken away, where did they go? They went scattered to the wind. They abandoned him in his most crucial need. And I I want you to know that you probably would have too. I know I would have. Because if they're going to take the leader away, I know Dan wouldn't, but uh, if they're going to take the leader away, what are they going to do to you? What strength or power or influence would you have? And you probably would have done the exact same thing. Jesus knows abandonment. And we looked in, in some depth last week about the, the rejection of Peter in that moment when Peter just moments earlier said, Jesus, I will go with you to the grave. And Jesus says, Peter, that's not what's about to happen. In fact, you're going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times before the sun rises. Peter couldn't believe it. Guess what happened? That's exactly what happened. Three times Peter would deny and reject even knowing Jesus. Jesus knows relational pain. He, he knows betrayal. We looked at that with Judas. If, if you'd like to go, that's on our website. You can go listen to that this week and be reminded of how... Um, Jesus or uh, Peter and Judas and their lives went different directions after those that particular moment, those decisions. But Jesus knows what insults are like. Have you ever been insulted? Jesus knows what insults are like. We've just read part of them with the guards, the criminals who were uh, executed beside him, even the, the leaders, the religious leaders of the day. But through it all, through it all, Jesus, Jesus hung in, and he was able to pray one of his most famous prayers of all. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Relational pain is part of our lives. You have received it, certainly. There have probably been a moment or two where you have offered it to others, maybe not on purpose. But that is part of our human condition, is learning to love And learning to deal with the pain relationally that comes into our lives. And learning to bring it to a God who understands that particular pain. And then there's spiritual pain. You know the the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane right before Jesus was arrested. It describes in the Bible about how there, there was such a tremendous spiritual weight upon Jesus. And as he looked up as, as the only human... God in the flesh, fully human as well, the only one to ever live his life completely free and unencumbered from sin. He was about to have the sin of all time and all humans placed on him. And so part of his prayer in that Garden of Gethsemane was, Father, if it is possible that this cup, this cup that that represents the wrath of God over the sin of humanity, if there's any way that this cup could go by me and not into it upon me, let it be, but not just this desire of mine, but may our wills be aligned and may it follow through. And you know what? Jesus hung in there through that spiritual distress. In fact, the moment is so poignant 
that the Bible describes that there was so much tremendous pressure bearing down on him at the thought of taking the sin of the world upon himself that he began to sweat, not just perspiration, but blood began to flow out of his body. Uh, the capillaries in his head were bursting. There was such intense pressure on him. There was spiritual uh, pain for him in that moment. John of the Cross, about 500 years ago, wrote uh, something called The Dark Night of the Soul. And it's such a great book. And if you've ever wrestled with doubt, or you've ever entered into a season where things felt darker than they do illuminated, that is a common journey in your spiritual walk. And I recommend to you that you go find John of the Cross and a copy of The Dark Night of the soul. Because in that, that writing, he describes that there are moments in our lives where all of us, of course, we, we would love all seasons to be nothing but joy and light, and we will grow through those seasons. But there are times when God will grow us through sorrow and darkness. In these seasons, the spiritual giants of the past have described them in such a way that they're like dark nights of the soul. There is spiritual pain that God will work in and through to deepen your life, to deepen your faith, to develop you in your response to Him. Brothers and sisters, when you suffer physical or relational or spiritual pain, the Jesus to whom and through whom you pray... He understands your pain. He understands your pain. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is familiar with grief. Jesus is familiar with grief. In Isaiah chapter 53, one of the great um, messianic passages of the Old Testament, here's what we read about Jesus' purpose on the cross. It says that He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely... He took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered Him stricken by God, smitten by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus is familiar with grief. Jesus sympathizes with your weakness. In the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews goes several chapters describing Jesus as a high priest helping us understand the concept of what it means for Jesus to be greater than Moses, what it means for Jesus to be greater than angels, and what is His role as a high priest, as a mediator between men and women and God, one who stands in the gap to help mediate this relationship. And as part of that long conversation in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it describes him this way. It says, For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time 
of need. Because of who Jesus is and His death on the cross, He invites us to draw near His throne, not because of our goodness or what we have done, but because of what He has done for us. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And finally this morning, beloved, I want you to know that God comforts you. In your time of pain and need, God desires to comfort you. And I want to remind you that your pain is not wasted. That your pain is not wasted in God's hands. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. What is Paul saying here? Is that as you go through challenging circumstances and painful episodes of your life, as you experience the comfort of God, God will take the pain that you've tasted, and it's not wasted, because He now works through you so that He can administer His comfort through you, in part, to those who are in need of comfort down the line. God does not waste the pain that you've experienced, if indeed you seek out the comfort that He desires to provide to you. It goes on, it says, For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Your pain is not wasted as you experience God's comfort. So there will come a time down the line when you will likely find an opportunity to share with a brother or a sister How God comforted you as you went through a similar season that they're going through. Not that you know everything they're feeling. Not that you can taste their pain exactly. But you have a testimony now. And you have multiple testimonies through your life. And you know what? Those in Christian history who have experienced and tasted the most pain in life as they've been comforted by God have down the line, as as God has walked them through that and worked them through that, they're the ones that have the most tremendous testimonies of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the constant presence of God, even through these most difficult of challenges and most painful of experiences. Your pain is not wasted. God is a constant companion to walk with you through those difficulties. The 23rd Psalm is a reminder. Even though I walk through a valley that's darkened with shadows, that's probably the best translation, not necessarily through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23 was given to us as a psalm of life, not as a psalm of death. It's okay that we recite it at a funeral because it's comforting. But I want you to know it's a psalm that helps guide you through the the difficult moments of life that as you go through a season in a valley that is shadowed and dark and you don't know the way out and you don't know the answers to the questions you're asking and no one else seems to be able to help you. You have a good shepherd who wants to guide you through that deep, dark, shadowed valley because there's something better on the other side. There are green pastures that lie ahead. And the good shepherd knows how to take you to the green pastures that lie beyond the dark valleys. Beloved, God is here to comfort you in the midst of your pain, to walk with you through these darkened valleys.
so that he can deliver you into those quiet waters and those green pastures because he loves you. Your pain is understood. Your spiritual pain, your relational pain, your physical pain, it's understood by God and he desires to comfort you through it. Would you let him? Would you invite his comfort now? Father, we we come together as people now. And this is a this is a hard topic because sometimes these pains linger in us physically, spiritually, relationally. They they linger, they settle in, they take root, and it's hard sometimes to, to identify them and to let you come and uproot them and to deliver them out of our lives. But we, we want you to do that because there's nothing more that we need today than your comfort and your, your abiding presence and to know and to be reassured that you are the God who walks with us through those dark valleys to guide us into the green fields beyond. So we thank you that you are God who doesn't waste a pain And as we experience your comfort, we are positioned as you would allow us opportunity down the road to offer comfort to others and to help them through our testimony. We thank you for the testimonies you allow us to have. Because they're not just for me to have a great story to tell. Not just for me to entertain at a party or in a Bible study. But it's for me to point to your greatness. That greatness that we've sung about. Your presence, oh, you are almighty, and we thank you for it. As we prepare our hearts to sing a final song together, we we pray that it might be a prayer of response back to you to say thank you for being a God who walks with us as an understanding being, walking with us through and in the midst of our pain. And we pray it now in the name of Jesus together. Amen. Would you grab your hymnals and stand up with us? And Steve's going to give you some instructions.